Hi, hello, and welcome everyone to this first episode of our Red vs. Orange podcast. Here alongside my friends Bengals Problems or Jake Rennekamp and Logan Scudder, I am Reds Problems or Casey Younger. How you guys doing today? What's up, man? I'm doing pretty good. How you guys doing? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. Thanks for hopping on tonight. Uh, I know this has been a long time in the works, so definitely glad that we can finally get our first episode going here. And this is uh, definitely definitely the first episode. We didn't we didn't have a practice one last week that went poorly. This is definitely our first attempt at this. And practice episode or not, at least we are now on to episode one. And this is, again, Red versus Orange is our name of our podcast we've came up with. And uh, thanks to John Burris, one of our uh, good friends here on the podcast, he made our logo. And so if you see our logo or whatever, definitely tweet at us and tell us what you think of the logo. But we really, really appreciate John Burris for all the help he did on making the logo. We think it looks really nice. And so kind of our plan here with this podcast was just to talk about sports. We've been we've had Bengals problems and Reds problems going on for a long time. And Logan Scudder has been a big friend of ours. So we've just kind of talked sports all the time. So we thought, why not make this podcast, talk about the Reds, talk about the Bengals, talk about some other things going on. And yeah, so that was kind of our idea behind making this podcast. And we're going to try and record a few times a week. Hopefully we're shooting for Sunday and Wednesday. Is that right, guys? Yeah, that sounds uh, yeah, good to me. That's, that's, yeah, and, that, and a lot of it depends on, you know, what you guys think. If you want us to do more, you know, we'll, we'll definitely do more. If you think it's too much, we'll, we'll back off. Or, we're going to be listening to you guys, and, you know, we're, we're excited to get this thing rolling, and we're, we're excited where it can go. And like Jake said, we're going to try and focus on communicating mostly with you guys and hearing your feedback, getting your questions, and thank you to everybody who submitted a question for our first episode because we, we send it out a lot, and as you guys listen and as you guys have questions, we'd like to hear them. And even if you don't agree with us or there's something you don't like, send us a comment, send us anything, and we'll address it on the podcast and talk to you guys, because that's our main reason for making this is for you guys. And so I think that would be time for what our first segment is going to be on every episode, and we want to focus on this, and this is our question of the day. So our question of the day good was one. sent in by Buddhist David, at Buddhist David, and he asked... Oh my gosh. It's a great one. All right, if you're ready for this, listeners, is cereal with milk considered soup? (laughs) That is the question of the day. Is cereal with milk considered soup? So, guys, I'll give you each your opportunity to tell me, do you think cereal with milk is considered soup? So, Logan, you want to start with this? I have a question of my own. How long do you think he's been sitting there ready for the opportunity to ask that question? You know, this, this I think guy, he's probably glad somewhere would give him airtime. This, this guy, Buddhist Davis, has to be a philosopher. I mean, who who thinks of questions like this? This guy must just spend every day, all day, just coming up with amazing questions. Like, is milk? I mean, this made me stop what I was doing at work today and just think for five minutes. I mean, it made me question my whole life. Like, <laughs> this stuff blows my mind. <laughs> I like the I like the comment that we got on Twitter as some guy commented on it and said sure period that's oh, it also, nothing quick, else quick plug follow follow our uh, new make sure you're following Reds problems Bengals problems Logan underscore Scotter seventeen and also the main one you guys want to follow Red v Orange that's that's where we're gonna be posting all this stuff you guys can send us questions DMs whatever we're gonna be super interactive make sure you give that a follow uh, it's gonna be another one of our our sports pages like Reds problems or Bengals problems. 
Uh, Same with the email. You can send it to our email, too. Redvorange at gmail.com if you feel like emailing a question. But back to the the main question of the hour. Is cereal with milk considered soup? So, Logan, you want to tackle that one first? Um, I'm not like Jake. I actually did not research is cereal (laughs) with milk considered soup. So I think we should let him take it over. Okay. All well, right, Jake. Okay. What's your so I did analysis? my research. I did my research, and you know, it made me think. Like, does soup have to be hot? Like, usually you eat soup and it's hot, but if you put soup in a fridge, it's still soup and it's cold. Okay, so this is where my thought process started. You know, after debating for like ten or fifteen minutes, I was like, "Yeah, why not?" You know, we live in a day and age where. Uh, you know, anything goes. So yeah, if soup, if cereal with milk wants to be soup, let it. I I don't care. It's soup. Thank you, David. So, <laughs> so Jake's determination is indeed that cereal with milk is soup. Logan, are you on agreement with that? I I think mm-hmm. I'd agree with that as well. I mean, I guess so. I have bigger <laughs> things to concern myself with. I don't really care. <laughs> so I guess we'll go two two. Two for yes and one's indifferent to the question. But thank you for the question of the day. We will choose another question of the day throughout our questions we receive up till the next episode. So send in those questions. And like Buddhist David sent in, it doesn't have to be anything related to the Reds, Bengals, or anything going on (laughs) in the world of sports. If you don't want it to be, is cereal with milk considered soup? It's a perfectly fine question that we'll tackle. So now we are on to our news and notes from around Cincinnati and all of sports. So first things first, if anybody saw the images were released of a possible new stadium for FC Cincinnati, did you guys possibly get to see those images of the new stadium they're thinking so about building? Freak, I'd be je- like, I'm jealous of like that's like as a Bengals fan, I want that as like the new Bengals stadium. That looks amazing. I don't know how big it is. I, it was kind of hard to tell. I don't know how much it's going to see, but it's it's absolutely gorgeous. I did see it, but where did they plan on putting it? I didn't. It looked see like it was that. in Kentucky, right? Like that's uh, one of the Newport? sticking points. Yeah, they've been talking about Newport. They've been talking about placing OTR down at the banks. So that's one of the points is people don't want it to go to Newport because it's FC Cincinnati, not FC Newport. <laughs> yeah, and, and our, so people have been talking about our airport that. is Cincinnati Airport, and it's in Kentucky. Like it's not really right. that big of a deal. Yeah, no. Born. So it's yeah, it depends on where, what some people just have to be picky about things like that. But it looks really cool. The whole top of it, if you haven't seen it, has LED lights in, it, and we'll actually be able to change colors between orange and blue for the yeah, FC Cincinnati that. colors. Yeah, it looked so that's the one, pretty it, neat. It looked like it was right across the river from the Red Stadium. Like, is that that's not set in stone? Like, yeah, it definitely. You could, is that is right? That you just can like, see that. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if that was yeah, like the rendering. new spot. Yeah, or they'll whatever. see. They'll, they'll figure it out. Where that's been the biggest thing, and that's not a for sure. It's not set in stone that we're going to get that. Where are they playing at? Are they at a? Are they at Nipper? Nipper, yeah, they play at Nipper right now. And just the unfortunate part about Nipper, it's a great place. It's holding it. They've already sold over 21,000 tickets for tomorrow's game against the Columbus Crew in the oh. in the next cup they're playing in, but in the fourth round here. But the problem is it's so hard to park up in, at UC, and the parking's rough, and they want they need their own stadium if they're going to become an MLS team. So I didn't realize it was that big. Yeah, I honestly didn't realize it was that big. If anybody hasn't had the opportunity to go, I don't care if you're a huge soccer fan or if you don't really even like soccer. FC Cincinnati games are a great time. Yeah, the we'll, food, uh, the beer is cheap. So. I'm going to find their tweet and retweet it from uh, the Red V Orange uh, account. So make sure you follow and you can see all these pretty pictures. Do you, do you guys see like FC Cincinnati like dying out and slowing down? 
or how um, do you view it? I, I don't. I think I think soccer is becoming one of the more transcendent things in America. I think a lot a lot of the time it kind of died out, and now all the younger kids are playing. I mean, just think about all the friends we knew that played soccer in high school, played soccer as a kid all the way growing up. Some of them even played soccer in college, and now it's just kind of translating over. The environment's fun. Yeah. You can create a good atmosphere. Tickets are fairly cheap. Season tickets are only $50, and I know they'll go up if they go to MLS, but I really think it's going to start taking off. I mean, I know my interest is growing for soccer incredibly from the professional level all the way down to even like when I was in high school, I started following it more. So I think it's going to really stay a big thing. And plus, we don't really have a lot going on this time of year anyway, except for the Reds and the Cyclones. And a lot of people don't really go to the Cyclones other than the beer. So I think that's, I think that'll be, I think it'll stay around. Yeah, I I do too. I'm not the biggest soccer fan in the world, but. I haven't. I don't think I've been to an FC Cincinnati game yet either. That's something I need to do. I have not either. I, I think it's awesome for the city of Cincinnati. You know, I think it's making us become more of a, a well-known sports city. Like the more sports we get, would be great. Now, you know, it would make it perfect is if we get an NBA team eventually. That that would be a dream come true. That would be nice. And it must be like Jake has some outline or something because that's our next sports news and notes from last from last right. night. We had our NBA finals wrap ended last night with the Warriors defeating the Cavaliers and clinching mm. Kevin Durant's first title. So the Warriors are the champions. Guys, quick thoughts, reactions? I don't know. LeBron's the GOAT. Uh, I second that. And the Warriors team are a bunch of cupcakes. Not just Durant, <laughs> the whole team. It's, I've, I've never, like, I'm, I'm a LeBron fan. I respect the Warriors, whatever, but I've just seen... A lot of stuff, people comparing, you know, LeBron went to the Heat. It's the same thing as Durant going to the Warriors. Well, Durant's an MVP, the the second best player in the NBA today. Not Curry. Durant is the second best player. I think Durant made that evident that he is the best player on that team. I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. We've made NBA today. It's all about chasing rings. You know, there's really no competition anymore. I mean, only two teams had a shot at the finals this year. It's, it's, It's becoming watered down because of these super teams and stuff like that, but... I think the Warriors took it to a whole new level. and I mean, I don't fault them for going out to get Durant. I mean, any team in the right mind would have wanted to sign him. But, I mean, we all knew what was going to happen at the beginning of the year. We knew the Warriors would be hosting up the, the trophy in the year. So it just kind of made it boring. But I, I don't know. Those are my thoughts. The game uh, did get the best ratings of any NBA Finals game outside of a Game 7 in the history of the NBA Finals. I, so. I, just, think, I just think that's because of the star power. When you think about all the good yeah. players playing in that game, I mean, there were seven All-Stars playing in that game. So that's a lot of people's favorite player. I mean, LeBron, Durant, and Curry are arguably the three most popular players in the game. So the NBA, I'm sure, loves it because it's great for marketing. I mean, what better than having your best players play the whole season and then a whole nother season, which is essentially the playoffs is. It, it just, it, for the NBA, they love it. You know, for the fans of players that just like one player, um, they love it because, oh, they can see their favorite player in the champ. But it's from just a strictly basketball fan. It was a boring year. I, I knew it was going to happen. I'm, I'm a big LeBron fan, but, I mean, I, I knew once the series started, the Cavs realistically don't have a shot, and, you know. But LeBron's LeBron, so... I mean that game. The series should have been over in four games, and LeBron is the only reason it went to five games. But it, I, I'm 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 upset. That's 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 what I am. I just really can't imagine. I mean, because we're not from a city that has an NBA team, but can't really imagine just being from a city of any team. Throw it out there from a different city that's not Cleveland. Utah. 
Or not Oakland, just yeah, Utah, for instance. Just that's what they have to rely on, and you basically know you're going to watch all the whole season. And yeah, they had a good season, made it to the playoffs, whatever. But you have to go through that whole season knowing eventually there's no shot they're winning the title, which is yeah. I feel like I, just, I, I see your point, but try being a Bengals fan and then come talk. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Well, that is true. So I guess that we have that too live for I, I don't know the nfl is so much more open i mean in the in the nfl that, playoffs you have to really? win, you have to win four games you have to win all you have to do is win four games versus the nba playoffs you have to win you're not going to beat lebron in a game of seven or a best of seven unless you've got durant and curry uh, anybody can beat anybody in the nfl on any given day i mean the falcons weren't the heavy favorites to go to the super bowl last year i mean they were they were a top contending team but i mean i know tom, tom brady, brady went uh, the Tom Brady does win a lot, but from the dominance we're going to see from the Warriors for the next four to five years, it's going to be unmatched in sports. I read an article today. The Warriors will open up next season as the biggest favorites by far to be champions in anything we've ever seen before, and that including the great Jordan Bulls teams of the late 90s, the Patriots of the early 2000s, and even today. I mean, it's unlike any other thing, and... I, I don't know. It's it's just gonna. I I think it's just gonna ruin NBA. Yeah, we'll just have to see basically what happens there. But we'll move on to some more local topics. Is the NBA Finals will probably end up being the same teams next year, maybe with a couple different faces. So we'll see how that goes. But ultimately, the Warriors did win last night. So we have some other news. A lot of news has been going on with the Reds lately around good old GABP and around this team. One thing that went on was Scooter Jeanette was named the NL Player of the Week, and of course, that was largely due, mostly due, pretty much all due to his four-home run game, which was very historic night. Guys, we really didn't get a chance to talk about that, because that was supposed to be when our first episode came out, but then we kind of pushed it back, so... Logan, what are your thoughts on the good old four-homer night for Scooter Jeanette? Most irrelevant four-homer night in baseball history? Uh... I would say yeah, probably, but I mean, it's pretty relevant because that's more rare than a perfect game, isn't it? Hasn't happened in less times. Yeah, he was number seventeen, so his bat actually just got to Cooperstown today. Is to meet. He's with this. There's sixteen other bats in Cooperstown that have done it, and he's the seventeenth bat that got added. And I think there's been twenty-two or twenty-three perfect games. So yeah, definitely more historic. Wow. I don't think people view it on that level, though. I think people would still see a perfect game and see that that's more of a bigger accomplishment than four home runs in a single game. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people, if you ask them, like, would you rather go see a perfect game or some guy hit four home runs? That's five foot eight or whatever. Uh, yeah, I probably would go see a perfect game, even if it's some pitcher you've never even heard of. But pretty interesting. So, but. Congrats to Scooter Jeanette, obviously, on being named the NL Player of the Week. And, of course, the All-Star Ballot updates got released yesterday. Zach Cozart finally overtook Corey Seager as the number one shortstop, which I definitely think, even being a Reds fan, I think he should be. But in all, I definitely think he's having the best year of any shortstop in the National League right now anyway. So I definitely think that he should be deserving of that number one spot. Do you guys have any disagreement in that, or do you believe he should be there? No, I do not disagree. But uh, do you think Joey Votto will actually buy him a donkey? That is interesting. Joey Votto is supposed to be buying Cozart a donkey if he made it to the All-Stars all starter or whatever. So it'll be interesting to see if he actually buys him a donkey. I can see Joey being a man of his word, so I don't see why he wouldn't buy him a donkey. I don't know what Zach will do with it. I guess he'll just put it in his backyard. But He could donate to the Cincinnati Zoo. There yeah. you go. He can hang out with Fiona. 
The only yeah, thing I do hate about the all-star balloting, though, is how it's like a, it's a popularity contest more or less than who's having a better season or who the best player is. Yeah, I think a lot of the times it's starting to get better. Like, you can look through some of the the voting, and, like, Ryan Zimmerman's leading the first baseman for the NL, and I think that's very deserving. And Zach Cozart's leading shortstop, which I think is deserving. But you have people like Jason Hayward, who's not having an exceptional year. A lot of the Cubs get voted up pretty highly. Yeah, Corey Seager isn't having that good of a year. There's not that many Cubs up there this year, is there? Like, compared to last year? Rizzo's hanging around number two. Addison Russell was ahead of Cozart for a while, which is just completely mind-blowing to me. Schwarber was up there too, wasn't he? Yeah, Schwarber. winning in third base, right? I haven't checked third base, but he might be. But but definitely, yeah, and then. But, yeah, for the most part, I think it's getting better. Just It seems like more now just one team. They've put in a lot of stipulations to try and stop people from being able to vote overlay or make up fake emails, but – wasn't it just like two years ago that the Royals had like six starters into the All-Star game, right? Yeah, they yeah. found out there were some 200,000 or some insane amount of number of votes that people had on fake emails that they never even used and just created just to vote. So Yeah, but didn't the Reds, didn't the Reds get in trouble for something like that? Didn't we have like seven starters or something the one year? Like, well, we a had a – I don't ago. think we got – well, A long well, we time had a. Ago. Oh, I don't know. That maybe, but yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, it's hard to. It was I mean, probably the big red machine me. days when we won back to back World yeah. Series. I'm pretty sure the Reds got banned from the All Star game for like a season or two because they literally were like putting stuff in restaurants and they were like literally. Like, it was unbelievable how many votes they had. But I'm sure yeah, Johnny yeah. Bench was more deserving than Salvador Perez. Hey, that's yeah, my fantasy catcher you're talking about. I don't care. <laughs> And just some other notes on the all-star batting. Votto finally made an appearance in the top five. He's definitely a, should be in the top five. He's behind Freddie it. Freeman right now, who do won't our, be able to play in the all-star game. So, do our fans not like Joey Votto? What like, I don't get, I, I know I don't Cozart's think do. good, but Cozart's always like I feel like Cozart always consistently gets the most votes of, of any Reds player. Joey Votto never gets the fan support. I feel like. Um, we'll have to discuss the Votto being underappreciated as a as a red in a later episode because that's definitely something that could last 30 minutes in discussion but it's good to see him finally starting to get get some recognition being the top five i don't think he should be the top first baseman right now i do think the way ryan zimmerman's played this year he's deserving of being the all-star starter but definitely vada is deserving of being in the top five especially with freddie freeman's whose fourth is not even going to be able to play due to injury rizzo's above vada right too rizzo's above vada and mark reynolds is above vada so and then which Mark Reynolds had a great year as well. So, I mean, it's hard to discount his year as well. And then Duvall moved up in the outfielder. He's up to 10th. Tough, tough market to move up in the outfielders. Duvall's had a good season for the most part, but tough to move up when you have guys of like Bryce Harper, Charlie Blackman, all those guys standing up above you. So, yeah. hard to move up there. But as we segue into more Reds talk, I saw an interesting stat that you guys might think is interesting. You remember how, how well Eric Thames was playing in the beginning of the year and how much he was killing the Reds? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So Eric Thames hit, if you guys don't remember, I don't know how he could, and he probably hit seven home runs against the Reds in the first two weeks of the season and was batting some ungodly 350 amount slugging over like 600 doing some crazy stuff. Since the last time the Brewers played the Reds, now this is... April 26th, the last time the Brewers had a series against the Reds, Eric Thames is hitting 186 with an on-base percentage of 340 and 369 slugging, which has gotten his average all the way down to 250. So kind of crazy that basically the Reds have given all Eric Thames' entire seasonal stats. 
we play the Brewers soon, right? In the next week or so? Yeah, I think we have them coming up soon. So Eric I'd James be, is probably. I'd be willing to bet my next paycheck he hits three home runs in three games. All right, you heard that here first, listeners. So if you want a paycheck from Logan Scudder, then oh, it's make not sure much you either. add him. <laughs> make sure you send him an at. But now we'll actually talk <laughs> about some. Yeah, send him your PayPal on Twitter at Logan underscore Scudder seventeen, and he'll he'll be sure to send you your your his paycheck if he homers. But now to the Reds. Uh, last week was nice, guys. Sweeping the Cardinals in a four game series is unheard of to sweep the Cardinals in any series, let alone in four. The Reds finally got some good starting pitching. Yeah, they had some comeback action. I'm. Patrick Kivlahan, Joey Votto is starting to find his stride again after going through a little slump and Scooter. bench production. Like I said, yeah, Scooter had four home runs and on Tuesday. So sweeping the Cardinals, I mean, you really got to love seeing that. Got the Reds within one game of 500, so they played really well, I thought, Logan, on last week. Yeah, the starting pitching looked a lot better. Bronson had a good start. We went to the game. Scott Feldman started. He looked really good. Pat the bat, Kivlahan made a big at bat, three run homer to the opposite field, then followed up by Joey Votto with a two run homer to win that game on Wednesday night, right? Yeah, that was yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday night, night. So yeah, that was a good series overall. But back to the West Coast Reds that we know. So yeah, the, the Reds headed out west on Friday, and that was to Los Angeles to play the Dodgers. And Friday was just the start of the typical West Coast trip. Amir Garrett second inning. Ball gets hit back to him. He kind of is in between his glove hand and his bare hand. He sticks his bare hand up, and it smoked his hand. And when I first saw it, I thought for sure he had broken his hand. I thought for sure it was broke, too. I'm surprised it's not. He laid on the ground in pain for a while, and he even talked after the game saying he thought he for sure broke his hand and that he was going to be out for a while. But all x-rays came back negative, which are really good, but then Jake Buchanan had to come in the game, and he pitched well, but it's just the Reds were kind of set back from that point, kind of a momentum killer when your starting pitcher gets taken out like that as early, and they were already down. And then, you know, for Amir to go out, Jake Buchanan did what he could, but just not a good overall game on Friday for the Reds. And then, of course, Saturday and Sunday, this is a surprise of the year, mainly. I mean, you knew it had to happen sometime, but the bullpen kind of didn't show up for for the first time. Rysel Iglesias, who you didn't think could get hit off of, struggled on Sunday. Drew Storen gave up the winning run on Saturday. So just surprised that the bullpen kind of struggled, but you knew it was kind of due at some point. There's Corey Seager both nights, too. Had a grand slam and then a walk-off double down the left field line. Yeah, I mean, Iglesias didn't look good. He wasn't throwing strikes. Uh, about the only strike he threw got hit out of the building, so I don't think he looked that good. Drew Storen's been struggling of late, too. I mean, his ERA's looking good and stuff, but he hasn't been throwing the ball as well as he did the first half of the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know what had to happen. They have to throw so many innings with the way our starting pitching's been performing that you just kind of expected that something was going to happen eventually with this bullpen. And so, you know, it, it is what it is. Hopefully they can keep rebounding, and when they get some arms back, they'll be able to put some more arms in the bullpen. So I think that should spell the bullpen a little bit once we start getting back some of our pitchers, which segues us into the one, Bronson Arroyo, who last night pitched against the worst offense in Major League Baseball to the tune of four and a third innings of nine run, 13 hit baseball, tied a career high for most hits he's ever given up. And it's in it's time innings. to go. In four it's, innings. It's time to go. I, I don't want to say it's time for anybody or in any, just pick somebody out of the stands, pick somebody out of a hat, but 
I love Bronson to guy to death. Yeah, he's. It was it was a chance and experiment, but he even said after his first win that if he thought he wasn't pitching well, that he thought he should pull himself out or whatever. And I think it's time. I think the Reds might just flip flop Jake Buchanan and him for now. Just put him in the bullpen maybe, and then once we get Homer and. Finnegan back and Finnegan pitched on Sunday in a rehab start and then Homer pitches tomorrow in a rehab start and then they probably will do one or two more and then they'll both be back so definitely the end of Bronson should be now now I mean just mind you just thinking about it even if you're not a big stats guy his ERA is 7.01 that has to be among the worst of qualifying starters doesn't it I'm wonderfully glad you asked that Logan because (laughs) in fact out of these 60 innings of like the pitch, 95 pitchers that have pitched 60 innings this year, Bronson Arroyo is 95th in ERA and 93rd in batting average against, giving up 313 batting average against for Bronson Arroyo. And if you just want to know more, he has given up 22 home runs in 68 innings, which equates to my NKU math of a home run every three innings. That is so, absolutely horrendous. So. Yeah, so Bronson Arroyo has been basically the worst starting pitcher. And even if you're not a big stats guy, you just think about it objectively. If he's giving up seven runs per game, your offense has got to score eight to win. Is this is he a football player? Like, do we have to score a touchdown of safety uh-huh. to win every game? I mean, it's just not a baseball stat. Like, I think it was great. I really hoped the best for him. And I thought I wish he could have do it. Could have done it. I love Bronson to death, and I he's one of my favorite players that have played just from the likability standpoint of him. But it's definitely time to be done. Yeah. And I don't think anybody in Cincinnati, Mo, Egger, or if you listen to any of them, or Lance McAllister, are both pretty much ready to be done with them. So, the but Jake, you, you think it's on? The nostalgia was fun, but it, it's it's time. It, it was yeah. fun to see him start a little bit. But it's it's like when a TV show goes on too bad or too long. Like, I don't want this to be our lasting image of Bronson. You know, I want to think about Bronson from his first stint with the Reds when he was really good. I don't want to think about this Bronson. Right. Yeah. No, very well put with the TV. Very well put with the TV thing. I think that's a great analogy. And yeah, Bronson Royal will always be remembered for what he did for this team. But just, and I think he's a testament. I mean, I think he's one of the smartest pitchers I've ever watched throw baseball. And just the fact that he's never had good stuff even now. And even back when he was pitching really well for the Reds, but he was just smart. He knew where to locate pitches, but now it's just too slow and the mistakes happen way more often and just not the not the time for Bronson anymore. And he, he owes it to his teammates and to the fans to kind of take a back seat, just be a teacher role. And then whether it's Bonilla, Buchanan, Cody Reed's thrown two great outings in AAA, but Brian Price has talked about how he wants to keep building a foundation of him throwing good starts before he brings him back. Even Robert Stevenson, who can't throw strikes. And lastly, the biggest thing is Bronson's next start is at home on Sunday against the Dodgers. And any guesses on who his opponent would be for that day? Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, so Clayton Kershaw v. Bronson Arroyo scheduled for next Sunday. And I don't think that we can score eight off Mr. Kershaw. So I think it's as good a time as ever to pull the plug on that. But 
Yeah, well, as we focused on the Reds talk, we are also really going to focus on Bengals. We don't want to hit it too hard in the beginning, but we're just going to go over it a little bit as well. Just kind of go over it, just our thoughts on the draft, because we, we haven't really talked about that yet. We haven't really tweeted much about it other than just right when it happens. So we'll talk about, you know, John Ross and Joe Mixon and some others, and then we'll talk about the schedule a little bit and what, what you guys think. So first of all, John Ross, what do you guys think you like the first round pick you want to go somewhere else thoughts on thoughts on that kind of no i, I love go ahead pick. jake I, I love the pick I, I think john ross is uh you know in previous years the Bengals have been pretty defensive um with their first overall pick meaning not a high risk guy but also not a very high reward guy somebody who's likely not going to see the field especially in their first year you know they like to draft what they draft last year uh will uh will jackson right will jackson, jackson first, third yeah yeah, uh, I mean, he got hurt, granted, but he probably wasn't going to see the field much with that heavy defensive back. Uh, two years ago, uh, Cedric Abue, you know, we had two proven guys at the tackle position. He didn't see much time. Um, but this year, John Ross, I think he's got – I think he's got a chance to, you know, be opposite AJ as our number two receiver, and I'm sure this is going to be a cause for a lot of debate uh, with our Brandon LaFell fans out there, but – John Ross is exciting. Uh, he, he's the fastest player to ever come through the combine. Ran, I think, the 40 and 424, if I'm right. Just 200. Like, just slightly quicker than Chris Johnson ran it in 2008. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I think it has a potential to be a home run hit, which I think the fans want to see. Um, I like the pick. What do, what do you think, Logan? Uh, I like the pick, but I don't think I necessarily would have made the pick if I was the GM of the Bengals. I think with Jonathan Allen still sitting there, you take him personally, yeah. just from the defensive line struggles that we've had in the recent years. But I don't think you can go wrong with John Ross. I think he's going to be a great player. Compliments AJ really well. Take the yeah. coverage off. Really good pick, I, mean, I think. If it, if it works out perfect, we got AJ working in the middle of the field. We got John Ross as the deep threat. And we got Eifert working working the short routes. You know, If he stays team. healthy. If he stays healthy, yeah. I mean, if, if we can get all that, you know – um, that that's that's a feel that's the best. I mean, that's one of the best three man punches as a receiver. Yeah. I mean, Dalton's got all the weapons now. You know, that's, not counting our backfield. Not yeah, which is I think Casey. That's next on the topic, I believe, or something like that. But, right, um, we can yeah, we can segue into that once we get done with what you're talking about. But yeah, I, I liked it. I, I thought it was good. I mean, we were just talking the draft picks. You know, our first three picks right here, real quick. Actually, our first four: John Ross, uh, first round. Uh, Joe Mixon, uh, controversial second-round pick. Jordan Willis, defensive end, third-round pick. And then Carl Larson, fourth-round pick, another D-end. So, you know, they didn't hit the D-end with the Jonathan Allen in the first round, but they definitely answered. I think Jordan Willis, he's another guy. You know, they were going for players that, you know, Jordan Willis could be your opening day defensive end next to uh, Carlos Dunlap if Michael Johnson has the type of season he had last year. Um, Joe Mixon, you know, we can get into that. Uh, people didn't like the pick. Some people love the pick. You know, it's up for debate. But uh, as far as the John Ross pick, Casey, I, I loved it. I, I was ecstatic when I heard that. So, segueing into pick number two, we don't really have to go too much more than that. But so, obviously, Joe Mixon, controversial for his off the field issues, but on the field talent, most people think could be number one in terms of any running back in this class. So, what do you guys think about the pick of Joe Mixon? And 
How do you think he'll fit in here into the backfield of the Bengals? If you like take the off-field issues away from Joe Mixon, I think he goes top 15 in this draft. Just from what I've heard, read, and seen on ESPN, everything talking about him. His production in college was ungodly-like, and he was a great, great player in Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, uh, you know, this is probably going to surprise people when I say this, but I think I think he's got the potential to be, again, like I said with these other guys, you're starting running back on week one. You know, he's that talented. He gives you the Jeremy Hill as he can be the bully back. He gives you Gio Bernard as he's quick. You know, we, we know we've always had the one tool players, but I, I think I think Joe Mason gives us, you know, multiple tools at the backfield, which, you know, as, as talented as Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard has, we've underperformed in the running back position for the last I think two years since Jeremy Hill's rookie year. We really haven't been that great at the running back position. Yeah, I don't know if it's more underperforming of the running back position or the offensive line as a whole in general that's a fair point i mean if you look at our offensive line last year it was absolutely miserable i mean they couldn't block anybody and then this year it might even be worse we lost our best one of the best left tackles in the game and andrew whitworth and by far our best offensive lineman so it's hard to tell we're throwing joe Mixon into the fire here it's also worth noting that this is a contract year for jimmy hill he will be a free agent after this year and they've already re-signed geo bernard to a Mm four-year deal so without having Joe Mixon on the books, you know it, it's gonna it's gonna be weird if if they sign if they took Joe Mixon. I just I just ha- find it hard to believe the Bengals drafted Joe Mixon in the second round to be the third string running back. I, I just Hopefully, it brings the best out of Jeremy Hill, though. That's, and that's that's there. the thing. Hopefully you know, it, it should. I mean, Jeremy Hill. You know, you don't want to put pressure on a guy, but you just drafted a rookie in the second round, and it's a yeah. contract year for Jeremy Hill. So if Jeremy Hill doesn't perform. Need. Jeremy Hill, he, he's going to have – if he's the starter on opening day, he will have zero patience with the fan. If he comes out, rushes, has 18 touches for 40 yards, the fans will be done with him, and they're saying bring on Mixon. I, I guarantee yeah. that. Jeremy Hill, if he I wants to that. be the starter of this team, and if the Bengals don't want the fans riding, Jeremy Hill has to return to the second half of his rookie season form where he led the league in rushing from week 9 to week 17. And they're speaking of people who will – well, Jeremy Hill, since he's entered the league, has the most rushing touchdowns of any player. That's true, but that's the type of offense the Bengals have once they enter the red zone. You know, they had an Andrew Whitworth to run behind, which usually on the goal line, where were the Bengals running on the goal line? They were running behind Andrew Whitworth, which we don't have that anymore. So I, I wouldn't look too much into that. You know, I I think it's going to be Joe. Mix, I think it's Joe Mixon time, and you know, we can have a whole other discussion about the off the field stuff. You know, it's. Unfortunately, you guys don't want to hear our opinions on that. We're not going to change your opinions on any of that. It's not really the right time and place to say that, but I'm talking Joe Mason as the Bengals player is a very, very talented player, and he's going to have a bright future. Yeah, that's that's very true. And, yeah, like like you said, you know, the off-the-field issues are what they are, and they're never going to be changed, and he's going to have to live with those for the rest of his life. But we'll kind of get away from the draft picks a little bit and talk about that, and we'll kind of segue into the schedule. The schedule for the Bengals finally sets up a little bit more more forgiving. They get a nice little opening day game at or opening day game at home on right. September 10th versus the Ravens. So how nice is it to finally have a home game that we could actually attend if we this- so choose to do so? This will yeah, be Andy Dalton's. Uh, it's nice, but go ahead. No, sorry. I was, this will be the first home game on opening week that Andy Dalton plays. The Bengals haven't had a home game, uh, th- I think, since 2010. 
to start the season. They've had six straight road games to start the season before this year. Yeah, and the NFL still finds a way to screw us. They put us Sunday yeah. at home and then Thursday at the, or versus the Texans. And just a lose-lose for us every year. Well, see, there's there's two thoughts on that. If we're going to play a short week, wouldn't you want the short week to be early in the season where fatigue is less of an issue? I was kind of thinking about that. You know, get the short week out of the way right away. Yeah, and that's then a good point. I think, we, I think we have a late bye week this week, too. We always seem to have an early bye week, but let me, as I'm looking at this. Yeah. Bye week is six. Yeah, week so. six. Yeah, and we get two weeks yeah. to prepare for at Steelers. So I like that, too. Yeah, two weeks to prepare for at. Yeah, Pittsburgh, so that would be good. Um, the Bengals do have one of the easiest strength of schedules for the season based on just last year's win percentage, so, I mean, you can't read too much into it, but the Bengals are 29th in strength of schedule. The team's records against last year were 115 and 141 for a 449 win percentage. The only three teams ahead of them, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Tennessee Titans, and the Indianapolis Colts have the easiest strength of schedule, and they all play in the same division, so when you're playing terrible teams in your division... Yeah. Yes. So when you're playing in that division, pretty much you're by default going to be pretty high up there. So good good schedule. And like I said, we'll get into that more as the season gets closer. We'll talk more about what our predict- what our predictions are game by game, kind of break down some things we see, what our thoughts are. We'll have some hot takes, some bold predictions. We're going to do all kinds of that stuff too. So the we'll definitely hit the Bengals season hard as it gets closer. But we kind of just want to take some questions now that you guys sent in. So we have some Bengals questions and a Reds question in here. So the first thing we're going to go is from at PJ McHenry 17. And PJ is asking, how do you see the Bengals backfield shaking out? So you guys kind of talked about that a little bit, but just hit on it. Like, let's just say starting out where you see it and then maybe at the end of the year just quickly. So you guys I, can tackle that one. I personally disagree with Jake. I think that Jeremy Hill will start the opening weekend. And then I do see Joe Mixon taking over if Jeremy Hill is not panning out. But I read a report that Gio is going to probably miss the first couple of games coming off an ACL injury, which was kind of known by all Bengals fans. So that'll put him third on the depth chart. But when he comes back, I think he'll, I think he might be more utilized as like a third down back, like a scat back kind of. But mm-hmm. it's hard telling. Yeah, that's fair. I think we're going to have a lot better idea once training camp rolls around. But again, thanks, BJ, for the question. You know, I, I love the Bengals question. But yeah, like I said earlier, um, you know, and we're just going off what we think. You know, you guys might have completely different ideas. I think the Bengals are going to try to spice stuff up this year. And I think, I think, me, I think we're going to see Joe Mixon week one starting right back. So thanks again for the question. Yeah, thanks, PJ, for the question. And then now we have another question from at T-Bomb3. At T-Bomb3 is asking, how many receivers do you see making the roster? And then he throws out the number seven. So are you guys on pace with his number seven? Do you see less than seven, more than seven? How do you guys see the wide receivers taking out? So usually uh, every year the Bengals either carry six or seven wide receivers. I think last year was uh, the first year they've they've carried seven, went into the season carrying seven Um Four, but uh, me and Logan were talking before we started up, and we're pretty much in agreement. Um, I think it's going to be seven. Um, you know, breaking it down, I broke it down into the locks. I think the Bengals will keep versus the very likely, uh, which the very likely, again, are very likely. So my locks in order are AJ, obviously, Tyler Boyd, and first-round pick John Ross. Those are my three locks, all right? And then my very likely, meaning – one like very high chance to make the roster 
Brandon LaFell, four. Cody Core, five. Josh Malone, six, who was our fifth pick. We took him in the fourth round this year. Uh, rookie. He's coming off shoulder surgery, so that's worth an eye to keep out to see if he's ready for the opening day roster or not. And then special teams pro Alex Erickson at seven. So those are my seven. I think it will be seven. Um, if it's six, it'll be Erickson that gets left off. So, Scud, what do you think? I I agree with you. I do think it would be seven, but I disagree where you said Brandon Fell is likely to make the roster. I believe he's 100% a lock. Just from hearing what everybody said about Brandon Phil off the field and on the field last year, how he picked up when AJ was gone, he's just mm-hmm. a pro's pro. He does everything right. He blocks on the yeah. field. And I just think he, he has a championship pedigree playing from the Patriots. I just think he's a lock to make the roster and probably will be starting opening day against across from AJ. Mm-hmm. That's, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Thanks, T. But again, for that question as well, that was another um, good Bengals question we had. And then um, from at law underscore detour, or aka Derek Adkins, don't really know how you get law detour out of that, that but maybe, I love that, maybe, maybe Derek will have to give us a little Derek uh, Atkins, insight. Boy. So is he put cozy having a fluke year or is he living up to his potential casey so, let's, let's hear let's hear you first casey you're you're a big cozart fan Let, let's hear you're a zach cozart fanboy fan so zach cozart is my favorite player he has been since he was in double a i just always thought he'd be a very good player i got a shirt when he was in triple a i had it made custom so definitely was always a fan of zach cozart um do i think the term fluke no i think he's I think he's been good the past couple of years since he's been working out with Pete Rose on his hitting. I mean, he's always been a way above average fielder. He runs decently well. He stays mostly healthy until the past couple of years when he was running the bases and then, you know, blew out his leg and then he got hurt again last year. So it's just been kind of, you know, slower times for Cozart where he, but he's been starting off well last year. He kind of puttered down at the end, but I don't think it's a fluke. Do I think he'll keep up this pace? No, probably not. Could I be, could I, would I be surprised if he ends up as the best shortstop in the league this year? No, but it's a very weak position as a whole in the national league. So I don't, I wouldn't be surprised. Do I think he's going to keep up these numbers? No, but as a fluke year, I, I don't see it being a fluke year with the numbers he was putting up the past couple of years, just barring injury and whatever. But he is out tonight. He's got some stiffness, so he'll he'll sit for a little bit. But that I think the red sitting him's a good idea when he's not feeling his best because if they can keep him going, then that'll be a big, big advantage when they get through to later in the year and keeping this team kind of hanging around the 500 mark and maybe keeping them in contention. I don't know. Logan, what are your thoughts? Uh, I personally think that Zach Cozart will be traded at the trade deadline. I don't know how. I know you don't want to think that or don't want it to be true but i don't think it's a fluke here i think he's one of the best shortstop if not the best shortstop in the nl offensively and defensively yeah definitely i mean he he definitely like it's a weak position i mean if he was playing in the outfield he wouldn't be a top 10 outfielder but for what he is the way he's batting and whatever it's it's great to watch and yeah we'll have to see we'll talk about you know the trade possibilities and all that on a future episode and if you guys want to ask us about that we can definitely talk about that as well but yeah for now i definitely we don't think it's a fluke but he might not keep up these exact numbers his batting average is going down as we see but he's sitting tonight maybe with the calves bothering him or whatever he's having a stiffness with so we'll see how this turns out but then our last question from at five eight six three three underscore that's a great Twitter handle. 
58633 underscore. And his the best part is his name on Twitter isn't even a name. It's just a dash. It's just a dash mark, and then it's at 58633. So, and, and we just so to you, yeah, if you had to pick one player from the Reds to play for the Bengals and vice versa, who would you guys take? So uh, one player for the Reds to play for the Bengals and one player to play for the Bengals. So if we had to take one player from the Reds, the easy choice is Billy Hamilton because he's fast and looks like kind of like a receiver or DB or something. But I think like uh, Scott Shevler, like Adam Duvall, like a thicker kind of dude could maybe play linebacker. I don't know. That's kind of a reach, but we'd see. Yeah. And then somebody well, from the – Well, what scares me about – Go ahead. Billy, Billy gets hurt so much in that, baseball that, that you would too. think if, yeah. if he's running down the field in football and gets crushed one time by a safety or a linebacker, you might not see him play the rest of the year. So yeah, no one and then if I had to pick somebody from the Bengals – Hopefully. Go ahead. But if I had to pick somebody from the Bengals, I'd probably pick John Ross just because if Billy Hamilton get it on and steal 30 bases in 60 games, then I think John Ross could too. Yeah, definitely the hardest part would be hitting the ball, but the way Billy's just He's been not, on the longest. Billy's not very good at that either. And we could, find out, life, so. we could find out who the faster one between the two are, between John Ross and Billy yeah, Hamilton. Yeah, there's a potential, isn't true. there a potential race going down between those two? Wasn't there talk about that? Not if Marvin Lewis has his way. Marvin Lewis isn't about all that, so I don't Chad, know if we'll ever Chad see that. Johnson raced a horse. Yeah, but <laughs> that's Chad a good, very good point. <laughs> he raced a horse. I forgot about that. So uh, we'll, we'll see so if that ever happens. So got, Jake, who's, who's your uh, who's your Bengals to Reds player? Yeah, I got I got Andy Dalton. I did some research, just like the the cereal is soup plush. I did some research. <laughs> Andy Dalton in 2004 was a top 60 pitcher in the state of Texas for uh, I think he was a junior that year in high school. So Dalton, his uh, his his fastball topped out at 67 miles an hour. But uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, I I don't know. I think Dalton's just an athlete. Uh, I think he could transition well, especially. A baseball to football, I think I think he could uh I think he could have been a good pitcher had he gone that route. But um, also Tyler Eifert, you know, when we see the rise of Aaron Judge this year, I think Eifert could be a uh, a Judge type player in the in the MLB. Yeah, those would be definitely two comparable people. I think it'd be interesting to see somebody switch over for a day and see how they do. But obviously, with injury concerns and the cost of paying these players and whatever, that would never happen. Just from the Bengals' red standpoint of no, some amateur like we know we've seen Michael Jordan try and play baseball as a basketball player and Bo Jackson, all those players. But yeah, definitely not a small amateur player trying to do it. But last thing we forgot to hit on just quickly: the MLB drafts going on. I skipped over it in our notes, but the Reds took Hunter Green, the 17-year-old pitching phenom from Notre Dame prep school in california he throws 102 miles an hour if you're not familiar with him he's also hit like 17 home runs and um he was consensus number one pick of i think 95 percent of people voted and as if they liked the pick in cincinnati and 95 percent said yes so everyone pretty high on hunter green logan i know you thought they should have taken somebody else i don't necessarily think they should have taken somebody else but just to have like a different opinion than everybody else i think the First baseman and uh, left-handed pitcher Brandon McKay from Louisville University would have been a great pick. I think he still went, what, like top five or six, right? Yeah, he went fourth to Tampa Bay. Yeah. And 
I think I think the reasoning was because from most high advanced scouts, they see him being a better first baseman than they do a pitcher. Yeah. And with Joey Votto signed for so long and thinking that they would just have Votto here, they weren't going to try and get him up here and have to worry about what they're going to do with him. And so they went with, and they, they really liked Hunter Green. And there's not there's nothing really not to like about the kid. He throws hard. He's a very good kid for a high school kid that's gotten all this publicity. This kid has really just taken it. His sister was diagnosed with leukemia when she was five. So, and he spent most nights at the hospital all the time for two straight years, but it, she's in remission right now. And he's a really humble kid and kind of stole the show. And then just a couple other like Jeter downs. They took him as the second overall pick. He's a shortstop out of high school. It's a good he name. He is very, yeah, he is basically a lot of people are kind of thinking of him as a Cozardi type guy where he's very good defensively. And we're just going to have to see if the bat will progress along with the defensive prowess he has. But we'll have to see about that as he progresses. But most people consensually think that Hunter Green will be the number one prospect in our organization as soon as he gets signed, with Nick Senzel being two. And then Jeter Downs probably will make it into the top ten, more than likely, in our farm system. But we'll have to see when it all shakes out, because we have the Cuban as well coming in, and a lot of people haven't factored him in in terms of our prospect list. But... Anything else you guys want to add before we sign off here on this opening edition of our podcast? Logan, anything? No, I think we've just about covered everything we wanted to. Jake, got anything of last note? It was a good first podcast. And also apologies. I've, I've been having some issues with my internet. So if uh, my audio has been cutting in and out, I am sorry. Yeah. Just a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're working through them. But thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. It really helps out. Leave a leave a review and always send us in questions. Send follow us into Red versus Orange. Yeah, follow us at Red v Orange on Twitter. Follow our personal Twitter accounts if you'd like. If you're not already doing so, probably most of you are at least following Reds problems and Bengals problems. But follow Logan underscore Scudder seventeen if you'd like to follow his tweets look at him and talk about LeBron all day. Yeah, so if you want to if you want to hear all that and whatever, but thanks for listening and we will be back with our next episode coming up soon.